Please let us stand for the word of God. Today's reading comes from the book of Psalms 106, 1 to 5, and from 43 to 48. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Who can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord or fully declare his praise? Blessed are those who act justly, who always do what is right. Remember me, Lord, when you show favor to your people. Come to my aid when you save them, that I may enjoy the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may share in the joy of your nation and join your inheritance in giving praise. Many times he delivered them, but they were bent on rebellion and they wasted away in their sin. Yet he took note of their distress when, they, when he heard their cry. For their sake he remembered his covenant, and out of his great love he relented. He caused all who held them captive to show their mercy. Save us, Lord our God, and gather us from the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Praise be to you, Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. May the reflections of the history of God's people inspire us to live with gratitude and faith, recognizing the steadfast love that guides and sustains us through our journey. Amen. And you may be seated. Good morning, Faith Westwood. Thank you. It's good to be here for those on site and those online. It's so wonderful to be feeling well and to be with you today. Glasses, tea, cough drop. We got this. We got this. Um, it is a joy today, too, to be surrounded by these cardboard testimonies. These were shared at the Thanksgiving Eve service. So we continue to celebrate those things that were written as well as those things that were unwritten, spoken and unspoken, that represent our gratitude. Things like faith and family and friends for life and love. I love that one. And I love this one. Every day is a blessing with a heart on it. <laughs> Thanks be to God. And after worship, I want to invite you to come forward and you can um, take a look at some of these, read through them, and, and feel that thanksgiving and thanks living that others have shared. Now, our sermon on thanks living, this series, has focused on Psalm 104 and 105 thus far. And Alan Hansen shared that extra helping of Psalm 34 on Thanksgiving Eve on my behalf. I love how these psalms teach us about thanksgiving, gratitude, and praise. Now, some of you may want to follow along as we explore God's word today, and whether you're using your personal Bible or even a Bible app, and the page number for our pew Bibles is listed on the screen. Would you please join me in prayer? Almighty God, open our ears that we may hear your word. Open our eyes that we may see your glory in our midst. And open our hearts that we might know your spirit's presence with us in these moments. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Be thankful for what you have and you'll end up having more. 
If you concentrate on what you don't have, you will never, ever have enough. That quote truly represents the law of gratitude, doesn't it? Now, I know that very quickly after Thanksgiving, our minds turn toward Advent and toward all of our preparations for the holiday season. Yet this year, we have a Sunday in between. While, and while we're still feasting on leftovers, it seems like a great opportunity to reflect on Psalm 106 and fill ourselves with thanksgiving. Now, Psalm 106 features an account of Israel's history like that of Psalm 105. Yet this one focuses on and addresses the sins and frequent rebellion that led to Israel's separation from God. The psalm remembers our faith ancestors who were delivered time and time again. And it invites us to consider and reflect on how we can demonstrate thanksgiving as we fully declare God's praise from everlasting to everlasting. Now I want you to note that the psalmist opens and begins with praise and thanksgiving. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Here the psalmist instructs God's people to give thanks. And why? Because God is so good. Because God's love remains how long? Forever. These words probably sound familiar because they are utilized in many other psalms. God's steadfast and enduring love is to be remembered and celebrated. Now I want you to think about this for a moment. When you offer praise to God... For what about God are you most thankful? Perhaps it is the nature of God to be holy, almighty, loving, forgiving, everlasting. And what names do you choose to use for God? You may use words like refuge, strength, rock, shield, light, salvation. As you develop habits of gratitude and praise like the psalmist, I want to invite you to expand your understanding and vocabulary of our indescribable Lord God Almighty. Now the psalmist asks us in verse 2, who can proclaim these mighty acts of the Lord or even fully declare his praise? which is answered by the beatitude in verse 3. Blessed are those who act justly, who always do what is right. Therefore, those who are righteous are fully able to declare God's praise. Now, for the original hearers of these words, it was a call to be God's people who can act in just and righteous ways, which the psalm will reveal that can be very difficult for the people called Israel at times. Now truly these words in this verse reinforce the words of the prophet Micah when he declared, He has shown you, mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. As we hear this question and response, we should be asking ourselves about the ways in which we proclaim the mighty acts of God. When you see God's hand at work in the world, are you talking about it? If yes, then awesome. If not, why not? And what about fully declaring God's praise? Do you find this easy or do you find this difficult? When we hold up a mirror 
in the, to the ways in which we act in just and right ways, are we pleased with what we see? Like our faith ancestors, this honestly may be a growing edge for us. Now the psalmist continues in verses 4 and 5 with a cry for help to the Lord, to remember the one who needs favor and aid. I don't know about you, but when um, I read through this and read through this and read through this, it was strange to me. It didn't seem to fit that in a psalm that is going to remember the problems that the Israelites had, that we have this verse that's talking about prosperity, and yet we know that prosperity is one of the requests that God's people made. And the reason that they asked for this was to be able to share in the joy of your nation and join your inheritance in giving praise. Now, more simply stated, it was, God, remember me and show me favor. Come to my aid that I may enjoy prosperity and have a reason to give praise. Hmm, interesting, isn't it? I think we're finally getting to the heart of some of Israel's issues, right? Now, I don't know about you, but what would our cry for help be like? In our modern technological world, I'm afraid that our cries might sound a little selfish at times, asking for things that might not be as important as we think. We might fuss and get upset when the internet isn't working like it should, when our, our phones aren't, don't have that charge that we thought they should have. Of course, this, this conversation and perspective may be well-timed in this space in between Thanksgiving and Advent. And perhaps it could even shape our priorities as we prepare for the season that is to come. Now, in the verses, in between what was read this morning, Israel's record of their sins, their wrongdoings, and their wickedness was put under a microscope noting the specific places and times in history when the people failed to remember their God. As Israel failed, a commentary wisely stated, the integrity of her national heritage was compromised. Even so, there were moments when God acted on Israel's behalf and delivered them from impending disaster, and the people responded accordingly. Like in verse 12, the psalmist revealed, then they believed his promises and sang his praise. So we do get a glimpse of the times when God's people truly had the potential to live in just and right ways. Unfortunately, we see firsthand in this psalm the pattern and cycle of sin. After the people sinned boldly, which they did a lot, they would eventually enter into a season of repentance and forgiveness and deliverance. This cycle and these patterns have been true for God's people for generations. When we sin, whether we sin boldly or not, we must repent. And then we must experience the gifts of forgiveness and deliverance. There is so much in Psalm 106 for us to remember and to claim here. Now, I will note that if you are in a faith group that is utilizing the study guide, you may just be reading every single verse of Psalm 106. But I would like to invite you all to go back and to read those in-between verses. Think about the stories that are very familiar to you, like that of Moses, and look up others that may not be as familiar, like that of Dathan. 
and remind yourself of the journey of God's people. Consider the life lessons that they learned. And most of all, recognize those patterns and habits that kept them from fully embracing a life of praise and gratitude. We can certainly learn from our faith ancestors' sins and from their pattern of rebellion, faithlessness, and abandonment. Now, you and I hear in verse 43, many times God delivered them, but they were bent on rebellion and they wasted away in their sin. The psalmist often drew connections between physical and spiritual health. Like in Psalm 32.3, which says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. There is a reason that the lack of spiritual health is often called being sin-sick. But not only did God deliver the people from their sins and faithlessness, verse 44, God took note of their distress when he heard their cry. Verse 45, God remembered his covenant, and out of his great love he relented. And verse 46, God caused all who held them captive to show them mercy. While we learn these important lessons from Israel's bad patterns, cycles, and habits, you and I can also remember and claim God's compassion, grace, and love. The very fact that God redeemed Israel over and over again shows God's enduring and steadfast love. The remaining two verses of Psalm 106 offer a powerful national prayer. Save us, Lord our God, gather us from the nations, that we may give praise and thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say, Amen, praise the Lord. You know, when things were at their very worst for God's people, they were taken captive by other nations. They found themselves in exile, longing to be gathered and returned to their homeland and back to their rituals and traditions that they so often took for granted. While we might know what it's truly like to be exiled, you and I do know what it's like to claim important traditions that ground us and that keep us focused on spiritual things. Now, of course, as the psalm began with a call to praise, it ends with a summons to praise and to let all the people say, Amen, the words that mean, so be it. Psalm 106 reminds God's people of all generations and ages that praise is very multifaceted. Confessing praise admits one's individual and national sins, knowing that God is compassionate and full of grace and that God will forgive. Trusting praise acknowledges what God has done in the past and what God will continue to do in the present and in the future. And everlasting praise seeks the salvation that has yet to be realized. God would save the people from their enemies, yet the coming Messiah would save them from their sins. Now on the Christian calendar, the Sunday before Advent is Christ the King Sunday. So how fitting we have embraced the psalms that were so foundational for God's people. 
for Jesus and his disciples and for the early Christian church. Psalm 106 recognizes the power and defeat of sin in God's people's lives. And as Christians, we have the benefit of recognizing that Jesus Christ defeated sin and death on the cross. And he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And his reign in our lives has the power to transform us. Now, in terms of our sermon series, we have to remember that Jesus Christ is the foundation of our thanksgiving. In fact, our gratitude is rooted in him because of his work in us. It has been said that a thankful heart is one of the primary characteristics of a believer. I love that. Thankfulness has been commanded for our good and also for God's glory. We are invited to draw near to God, Christ, and the Spirit at any moment of every day. That is the heart of thanksgiving. So if we want to develop a framework of thanksgiving in our lives, we need to further develop our habit of gratitude. In her article about turning thanksgiving into thanksgiving, author Don Wilson said this, We can count our past and present blessings and are receptive to what God is doing in and through our lives in the present. That may be true, yet gratitude is more challenging in our entitlement culture. Which, by the way, is really hard to say between Black Friday and Cyber Monday. (laughs) And yet, we have to admit that, that we are often tempted to have an ungrateful mindset. We're always looking for something more, something different, something better. Chuck Swindoll said that gratitude is a decision of the will, Deciding to be grateful and thankful is no easy task. It takes work. Now, I have to admit that last week I had a brief pity party. I did. When illness hit and I knew that Thanksgiving, our Thanksgiving plans were shattered and things were going to change significantly, I had a pity party. I was sad. I was upset. I was a little angry. But then I started to remember what I was preaching about. <laughs> Thanks living. And somebody posted on my Facebook page that, well, at least now you'll have an opportunity to reflect. And at first I heard that and I went, well, of course. And then I was like, wait a minute. I do have some quiet space to just reflect. I started to count my blessings. A beautiful home a refrigerator full of food, by the way, that is still full of food, (laughs) craft supplies on hand, that's important to me. And I did have that wonderful quiet time to reflect on the season. And then I was also, I had that space where I could prepare for the next season. I was drawn to read the words of the Apostle Paul to the Philippians over and over again. Philippians 4, 11 and 12. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. 
Of course, the key word in those verses is the word content. Content. How many of you would describe yourselves as content? Would you say that you're content with your life and your job and occupation, with family situations, with the world situations? But I want you to remember what also comes next in verse 13. Do you remember what comes next? I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. Amen? Not only do we embrace the foundation and framework of thanks living, we are called to live into the faithfulness of thanks living. Israel was called to remember numerous times because they had spiritual amnesia. They did. Time and time again, they forgot what the Lord God had done for them. They forgot that God is always holy and faithful. And all God wanted was for them to be holy and to be faithful. I want you to ponder this for a moment. Thanks living purposefully seeks out what God is doing in every situation and treasures and celebrates it. If this is true, then you and I can train our minds, our hearts, and our spirits to become more sensitive to the blessings that our faithful God has shared with us. Even that amazing blanket of white that we saw this morning. You know, as this sermon series was created, the titles of the messages were meant to be summarized and woven into a concluding prayer. So I would invite you to repeat after me. Praise the Lord, my soul. For a thousand generations. Taste and see that the Lord is good. From everlasting to everlasting. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let us join our hearts together and bow for some moments of prayer. Almighty, gracious, loving, forgiving, indescribable God, we thank you for the opportunities that we've had to meditate and reflect on thanksgiving. We praise you for the thanksgiving gatherings whether they were filled with much food and fun and people or whether they were simply very quiet and reflective. God, in this season of thankfulness and gratitude, we ask that you would pour out your spirit upon those who are still struggling to claim it and name it, for those who are grieving, for those who are hurting for those who are waiting upon you. And God, we pray for peace, the peace that passes all understanding. Our world so desperately needs this peace right now, God. And today we lift up student day offering. We celebrate Christ the King Sunday as we have been singing your praise this day. 
And let us pray for the reign of Jesus in our lives in this season so that we can adequately and authentically prepare for the next. And God, all of this we pray in your holy name. Remembering the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.